Welcome to Raising the Circle, a show interviewing passionate people who share stories of circular solutions. I'm your host, Solve Gurgaitita. Let's get started. Today on the show, we have Café Bueno. Uh, did you know that when you drink a cup of coffee, that less than 1% of the coffee's health enhancing compounds are actually used? That is where Café Bueno steps in. They utilize coffee byproducts such as spent coffee grounds, upcycling them into ingredients for personal care, nutraceuticals, and functional foods. Today, we are speaking with Alejandro Franco, the co-founder and the CEO of Café Bueno. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, very curious. So you are the co-founder. How did it all begin? It's a little bit of a long story, but um, it began as a last year university project uh, between Juan, Camilo and myself, which are my two co-founders. We were doing our bachelors in international business in London. And most of our friends were from Scandinavia. We we thought how different the perception was of coffee, like something everybody drinks, but we realized that many people thought about it differently depending on where they came from. They always referred to it as, of course, a caffeine fix, but they, they were very reliant on it. And then this symbol of friends and family, kind of like a space to just sit down and have a coffee, and like a little ritual, while for us was the on one hand, the currency of our country's economy, and at the same time, it was not just a beverage for us. When you grow up in Colombia as a little kid, for example, if you fall down and get a wound, you're going to get some coffee grounds in there. Or older people using coffee to, to dye their hair, like to cover gray hairs. And I mean, a bunch of other things. So yeah, that's how we started seeing that people see see it in a different way. But then uh, in our last year, when we were ha going through a course of entrepreneurship, before that, we already were thinking of what to do with coffee. We wanted to to have a business, like to use business as a force for good, to say it some way. Um, and we, we looked at coffee and we started on one hand thinking how come a coffee shop owner in London uh, is running a lucrative business while the people who owe the existence of coffee, the farmers, cannot even cover the costs. So we started thinking, okay, if there's already companies that are paying a lot more for the farmers and so on, why are the farmers still poor? And then we also saw all the waste that was done or made after the coffee is consumed and kind of a combination of all of that. Then we started thinking, what was it when we were kids that helped reduce the inflammation in a wound when our grandmas put coffee on a wound? And what is inside coffee that actually causes the inflammation to be reduced? So we started looking into, let's say, the molecular composition of coffee and how each molecule affects or has different actions. And then we realized that, I mean, coffee is full of good stuff, a lot of bioactive compounds that are not taken advantage when you make a cup of coffee, only less than 1%. People only think of coffee and they think of caffeine. And caffeine is less than 1% of coffee, and that is mostly what it ends up in your coffee. Then the rest are antioxidants, essential fatty acids, a bunch of things. And yeah, after that long 
story. <laughs> we applied to a thing called Startup Denmark and we were granted some entrepreneurial residence in Denmark and we came here to start the business. And from there on, yeah, it has evolved. Very long story. <laughs> <laughs> I think you did a really good job summarizing all of those years, all especially right. introducing the elements of growing up. So it makes me really curious, what did sustainability mean to you as a child? Mm, I mean, as a child, I don't think I was that much aware of sustainability, to be honest. Maybe in Colombia is not, or was not when I was a child, it was not such a big topic as anywhere. 20 years ago, that was not a, sustainability was not a big thing. But then, let's say, teenage years, and then also moving to London, I started being more aware of what is happening in the world. And that also led us to investigate what, like, how does the coffee value chain affect the, the world? And actually, coffee's value chain is responsible for 1% of the yearly emissions of the entire world. Most of it is actually caused by the production of coffee due to chemical pesticides and fertilizers. But then a lot of it is also because of the misdisposal, if you can say that, of spent coffee grounds. They release a lot of methane. To circle back, maybe a little bit of clarification of where there are things within living in Colombia that you saw were reused or recycled in some way. You mentioned the coffee ground and the wound, that that was something if you fell. Did you notice any other patterns Well, I don't know if recycling coffee grounds because they actually use the grinded coffee. But I mean, Colombian people usually have a mindset of uh, resource management because there's not as much. So, I mean, sustainability is also kind of about efficient management of resources instead of spending more and wasting more using what is already out there. And that is kind of ingrained in Colombian population, I would say. Although there's a lack of infrastructure to be fully sustainable. I think the nature of it changes, right? Sustainability or in focusing on it becomes a bit of a privileged aspect. Yeah, yeah because in, for example, in Colombia, maybe it has changed. I have been out of Colombia for almost 10 years, but business is driven by usually the older generation as politics and everything. And they always saw sustainability and profits as mutually exclusive. So they thought this business is trying to do good. It must be a charity or some bullshit without profits. Now that I'm doing, a, or I've been doing this for some years now, actually making the sustainable choices allow you to be more profitable. But in Colombia, at least when I was there growing up, it was a little bit more difficult to understand. I see a lot of change as well, also with the younger generations being very entrepreneurial. So you mentioned a lot of the coffee grounds being misdisposed How does that feed into the mission of Café Bueno? When we started Café Bueno, I would say more than 90% of coffee worldwide was just ending up in landfills. And then we started looking into it, reading a lot of scientific papers and realizing that for every ton of coffee that ends up in a landfill, there's about 340 cubic meters of methane released into the environment. Last year, there were 10 billion kilos of coffee or 10 million tons consumed worldwide. So, I mean, you do the math, the methane emissions are, more, I think, like 29,000, 30,000 trips from Copenhagen to New York. Like, the equivalent of something like that is crazy. So, when we realized that that was actually a big problem, then we were like, okay, well, this is one of the problems that we can solve and actually help increase the value of coffee and the application potentials to unlock its potential. And that's how we came up with Café Bueno. And then looking at other industries, then we started realizing that we could solve many problems in different industries through coffee. 
Can you share more about how circularity is included in your processes? It's kind of ingrained in the DNA of Café Bueno because we started Café Bueno with the goal of circularizing material that has been considered waste for many years. And everything we do is basically derived from that motto. I mean, for us, at least circularizing means extending its life or making a new life from what was considered waste. And on that thought, what we're focusing on is changing the perception of what people think is waste and rather see it as a wasted resource. There's no reason why we should keep looking at waste as waste. And what are some of the main hurdles you've been stumbling into while trying to change the perception of coffee being not wasteful at the end of the sip of your coffee? Many challenges. On one hand, This is changing also a lot, but when we started Café Bueno, when we started talking about upcycling what was considered waste, a lot of people just assume that it's trash, uh, so they expect a low-quality product, but they neglect all the technology that comes before being able to actually make an output of what they consider waste. But with the years now, there's a lot of companies working with upcycled products, and perception is already changing worldwide. On the other hand, there's regulatory barriers because then to collect coffee waste, which is not waste, but it is categorized as waste, then you would need a special permission to collect because you can not anyone can collect waste. But then it's a matter of enabling the regulators to understand that just because it has been considered waste doesn't mean that it's really waste. There's just been potential that hasn't been tapped into yet. And then also how people treat it. For example, if we work with offices, hotels, they have systems in place where it's, let's say, not the easiest to just put a new bin dedicated to coffee. So I mean, logistic challenges, market challenges, regulatory challenges, there's red challenges everywhere. I think that's just a startup problem. <laughs> But it sounds like you made it through, right? You're able now to gather coffee from hotels and cafes. and Not cafes, but, Not but cafes. Um, eventually, probably. But we're focusing on higher volume um, locations. We mainly collect from industrial suppliers for quality reasons. And then hotels and large offices that we can have a reliable traceability line of the coffee because it's very important. In this transition of circularity being such a... DNA part of your company, have you ever been tested or has anyone ever questioned saying, okay, maybe we should just use new coffee grounds or... Oof, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> How uh, is that? That is one of the, let's say, one of the many angles in which your business is doubted, especially in the beginning. So many people also told us what you exactly, exactly what you just said, why don't you use new coffee? First of all, it defeats the whole purpose because you're not allowing coffee to go through its whole life cycle. So then you are just being part of the problem. Let's say we produce an oil that is used as an ingredient in cosmetics. If I start using virgin coffee beans, then crops are going to be grown and harvested only for the purpose of the production of my oil. However, if I allow the coffee grounds to go through its traditional life cycle, which is to serve as a beverage, then I can take what others perceive as waste and use it as a resource to make the same high quality product as I would with a virgin material. And actually, this is an example where that sustainable decision can actually help in reducing costs, for example. It increases the difficulty of the thing, but it's business savvy, I would say. Certainly. 
And that's the importance of making it non-negotiable, right? Mm -hmm. To stick true to why you are doing this and why you are upcycling. Because of the climate change elements of coffee and how much we consume globally being alarming. Exactly. And how do you ensure ethical and sustainable sourcing? You mentioned a bit of going through bigger factories or bigger hotels. Can you share a little bit more about that? The thing is, eventually, of course, we want to collect from as many companies as possible because... The more we do that, the more impact that we can create. However, we need to maintain certain standards of quality and traceability. And that's why we partner up with large and trusted coffee suppliers and then get access to their clients so that we can assess the supply chain of, let's say, one, two, three or four suppliers instead of 100. And then it's a matter of educating the staff in the specific buildings to dispose the coffee properly in the way that we need it to be. Has it posed challenges that you stumbled into that you weren't expecting? Can you share one? Traceability, for example, when you're dealing with very large coffee suppliers, they are buying thousands of tons a year and then it's difficult for them sometimes to give you the exact line of traceability that you require. We need to be able to to say exactly from which country or countries our products come from. That's let's say on traceability. I can imagine a lot of these challenges or these obstacles of changing mindset and changing the way that it's perceived as waste takes a lot of motivation. And I can see what I believe you have a tattoo uh, of a coffee yeah. bean. <laughs> well, that's actually Café Buenas logo. Yeah, oh, the, thing, uh, the fingerprint <laughs> exactly. within it. Beautiful. Yeah, thanks. What motivates you to keep going in all these years? Mm, the very clear vision of what we will achieve. I mean, more than motivated, it's inspiration because motivation lasts, could last 10 seconds, could last 10 minutes, but inspiration keeps you going. I would say we're very goal-oriented, thankfully, the three of us, the founders, now we have a team of 10, 11 people, but we have always had a clear goal and vision that no matter what we have to do on a day-to-day basis, it's always the same goal that we just do whatever we have to do in order to make it happen. And what is the picture you're imagining? A picture where when I say the word coffee, you don't think of caffeine or you don't think of a cup of coffee, but you think maybe of a product that can help you protect you from the sun or a source of different types of molecules that can improve your health in different ways, which I cannot specify right now because it's part of our product pipeline. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that is, let's say, on the, I would say, philosophical part. But then on the more practical part, we aim to establish a decentralized ecosystem of biorefineries or production facilities around the world where we can source coffee locally and produce all of our line of ingredients in different continents rather than just having to produce in one place and then transport to many places, which all of those emissions would fuck up our whole value chain at the end of the day, as it is the case with many natural ingredients. They are natural, but then they can only be produced in one country. So then the hidden emissions, as they call it, there's a very long paper about it from the Netherlands, talking about the hidden emissions of agricultural products. So we also want to take advantage that coffee grounds can be found anywhere worldwide, so we can just do everything locally. It's so important to look at the entire supply chain and not just perceive the waste Mm -hmm. changing into a new product as the most important. But as you say, look at the hidden emissions, the entire. Yeah, because I mean, natural and upcycled doesn't mean sustainable. Sometimes synthetics are more sustainable than natural. That's why it's very important to keep an eye on on every emission. Doing LCAs is very important. 
that leads a little bit to what is in the pipeline, or you mentioned a little bit now, it sounds like sunscreen might be on the agenda, mm. <laughs> which makes me very happy because it's actually really challenging to find a sunscreen that doesn't have harmful chemicals to reefs, to, uh, to fish. I don't want to even get into it because I can speak for hours. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, uh, well, today we have two ingredients. The next in line, we are preparing to launch some uh, very soon. I mean, this year we're going to start pre-launching them. They are two ingredients that are aimed at replacing synthetics and petrochemicals in the cosmetics industry, particularly for BB creams, sunscreens, tinted moisturizers, hair dyes, a lot of things like that. And for those that are listening and as well as me that might not understand what that means what exactly does it mean in comparison to the options that we have available today well for example you sometimes buy let's say a hair oil and it says something something oil that i would rather not say because then it would be very obvious like very natural oil whatever because so what they are doing is playing with your perception because then they say they are referring to a particular oil that you know it's good for hair which is natural but then if you look at the list of the ingredients the first of them or the second one they are positioned according to their concentration the first one is the highest in concentration the last one is the least the first one is usually a, pe a petrochemical which is a chemical derived from petrol first of all I think that is just disgusting. And two, it is very unsustainable. And those are, let's say that's only one example of what we can replace with one of the ingredients that we're going to launch. And at the same time, for example, BB creams or any natural thing that is being sold with a color. They put things that are masked as natural because the industry doesn't have the solutions to high performing naturals. The industry, the cosmetics industry is trying to transition into naturals. However, high-performing natural ingredients are lacking. So there's a scarcity of them, let's say, or there's not enough of them. Or maybe the industry has also some standards that are actually hindering that transition. For example, if you talk to any cosmetic manufacturer, they will want their product to be white or transparent. But nothing in nature is white or transparent. Sometimes the colors in nature are actually the compounds that are highly bioactive and can help the ingredients or the product to be very high performing. But if the industry is so focused on making a product white, then that transition is clearly going to be delayed. Sounds like reshaping some beliefs as well in this industry. Mm -hmm. What is the importance of it being white and how can we change it to meet the other criteria? Mm -hmm. It's not only about coffee. It's, it's about, let's say, doing what the world or the planet needs and using coffee as a tool to, to make it happen. Because the industries that we're targeting are basically the ones responsible for society's health and well-being. And if we keep getting, as consumers, products, like our everyday products, that have hidden chemicals that are fucking up our planet, then how is anything going to change? Those plans for 2030, 2050, those are, I mean, nice words, but we need some actions now. And yeah, we can help with some solutions. I like to believe so. That leads to one of the closing questions of dreaming together. What is one thing you would wish to see in the world in order to help move the green transition forward? More open-mindedness behind closed doors, if that makes sense, and less greenwashing. Most big companies are always claiming that they are the most sustainable, that they are doing the most things. But then you talk with their team and then their words behind those words or their actions, their decision-taking factors are not reflecting what the company is publicly saying. So, I mean, 
the industries need to actually have people that are perceiving the urgency of the change. And that is, of course, influenced by the decisions taken by consumers. So if, of course, consumers are already always demanding more and more, but at the end of the day, how can you really demand more if you're not getting the whole picture of what is being sold to you? I think I'm getting in a rabbit hole with this type of uh, thing, but it's it's many factors. It's the companies, but also the consumers. It's a two-way street. Yeah, and greenwashing is definitely a topic that's entering conversations more and more, observing Because marketing. there's so much of it. Exactly. There's so much of it. uh, And it takes one to be a bit educated on certain topics to be cognizant of it. Otherwise, the marketing can be so well done that it's it's hard to miss what is the truth. Exactly. And it can be tough as a consumer to be informed about everything. But I mean, it's also about being a proactive consumer. Like, why do you need to trust everything that is told to you? Of course, everybody wants to sell to you, but you cannot be a lazy motherfucker, sorry. If you're wearing a product every single day, why don't you just look into it more and and make an informed choice? Of course, it's easy to just go to the supermarket and see and take the cheapest shit. But by buying that cheap thing, actually, you are encouraging the decision makers in the big companies to not change anything. So taking active decisions, informed decisions about what you buy every day will actually have an impact on what products are produced tomorrow. I recently learned that my my BB cream, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know what that is, which is cream, yeah. has microplastics in it. Not surprised. And I'm so curious, could extract oil of coffee? We substitute actually already with our fiber, but those are actually banned, well, at least in the UK. Is it like a little exfoliating as well or not? It's very smooth. I don't know if they've changed it. When I figured it out, it was about a year ago. I don't use Do so much of it. you know the name of the ingredient? It's Tarte is the company, the name of the ingredient. No, it was a mm. workshop I was in and we were looking through microplastics and in makeup and then I thought okay I should check mine and I found out and I haven't found a replacement and I should definitely stop buying it but I use it so slow (laughs) that it's gonna take me a long time I also understand because at the same time then maybe they are using shitty ingredients but that work on your skin So it's difficult to make that change. And then again, that's the problem of the industry at the moment. But there are natural ingredients. But the thing is, there's a lot of variables with natural ingredients and a lot of skepticism from formulators to adopt natural and remove synthetics. Because the whole cosmetic industry went through a phase many, many years ago where synthetics just became the rule. And now that is happening again, but the other way around with naturals. And I guess that leaves space for things changing. For example, I would imagine something that is natural might change color over a month. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, for example, then your cream might not be white. It might look yellow, brown, even red sometimes. But like that doesn't mean that your skin is going to have that color because those are just active ingredients that go into your skin and do their thing. They are not going to change the color of your skin unless they are targeted to do so. For example, to replace petrochemicals or synthetic colors that are really bad for you that are used in all your makeup products, even the ones that say they are are natural. I'm going to go home and be more curious. (laughs) And I can let you know what it is. Um, So on this journey as an entrepreneur, it takes courage. And we talked a bit about your motivation and having the image that you're seeking to change, that coffee is no longer perceived as just a, a cup of coffee, but all the other elements of it. What do you do on a daily basis to grow as an entrepreneur? Good question. 
well, I try to keep an open mind for everything. And this is something I always keep in mind, especially because I started this very young. Then I talked with many older people that I could see that just because they had been working on, let's say, coffee or cosmetics for 20, 30 years, then it's like they feel like they cannot learn anything new and they think that they know everything. And then because you are telling something that hasn't crossed their mind, they immediately dismiss it as probably wrong. That is something that I have very present in my daily life. Like I try to be open to everything and learn every day. Yeah, to hopefully never become like that. And I mean, I read a lot. That's what keeps my brain going. And that's, I think, what has kept Cafe Bueno evolving. Of course, not only me, but like the whole team is like that. Always seeking self-growth. Is there something you read le recently that you would recommend? Right now I'm reading actually a very popular book, Thinking Fast and Slow from Daniel Kahneman. Before that, I was reading a book about the whole body microbiome, the whole world of bacteria. I've been getting a lot into it for the last couple of years. But that's just personal interest, and sometimes I find ways to actually implement that into Café Bueno. Mm, but I don't know if many people would be into that. I would definitely recommend them because they would completely change the way they see the world and stop trying to be so sterile, which is actually causing antimicrobial resistance, like, for example, with antibiotics. So, it's, yeah, oof, I, I'm going to stop there because I can talk a lot about that. <laughs> I think we have to have a part two about that and about the report you read about Netherlands about uh, uh, supply chain. Yeah, I can find it for you. It's very interesting. <laughs> Then the final question of growth. Recall the day when you first conjured up the idea to create Cafe Bueno and what advice would you give your younger self? <laughs> to take it easy. Don't stress that much. Breathe. <laughs> Meditate. Like in the first, especially two years, we started Café Bueno when we just turned 21. So we were just not a lot of experience and doing a lot of things that, of course, we could have avoided if we knew what we know today. But at the same time, we wouldn't know them if we wouldn't have done those things. So it's very difficult to tell the younger Alejandro, don't do this because actually doing it led me to learn. Is it also something you need to hear now? No. No, you're no. better at it now. Yeah, I I would say I have improved a lot. I have honestly always had a, an ability to detach from things and look at it from a, a little bit from different angles. So like I don't get so stressed about things. And of course, there are some things that you need to get stressed about. But if you don't have control of your state of mind, then you just react to things rather than plan ahead and That has improved with time, of course, also with different lifestyle choices. Meditation, <laughs> breathing. Among other things, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah. Thank you so much for Thank coming you. on. It Thank was you. a pleasure. <laughs> Likewise. Thank you for listening. I really hope you enjoyed it. I create these podcasts to inspire listeners to live more conscious lives and bring these circular solutions to the forefront of our minds. And if you have any questions, feedback, or you want to be a guest on the show, reach out to me on any one of my social media channels or email me at raisingthecircle at gmail.com. Now, please do me a favor and share this podcast with one person that you think might enjoy it. Thanks again for listening and until next time.